when I moved to Nebraska a few years ago, I started hearing that joke more and more that we uh, Kentuckians marry their cousins. Like one joke I heard recently uh, was, why are there so many unsolved murders in Kentucky? Uh, because there are so few dental records and everyone has the same DNA. Oh man, that's so bad. So Ariel, when you were growing up in Colorado, were there Colorado jokes? Well, kind of. Where I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, there was a bit of a reputation for being a home to hippies and stoners, which I was always aware of. And sometimes when I tell people I grew up in Colorado, they ask if I smoked a bunch of ganja growing up. But now when I tell people that I live in Kentucky, there's like a whole other set of questions that people ask and way more of them. Like, do they wear shoes? Do they love horses, bourbon, and the derby? How do you say Louisville? Isn't it like Louisville? (laughs) Like Louisville? Or is it Louisville? My grandparents always said Louisville. They used to have a sign that had all the different pronunciations up in Louisville. You know, I actually grew up in Louisville, Colorado. How is that one spelled? It's spelled the same, but you say it Louisville. That's how Coloradans speak anyway. As we heard from my friend Angie Hatton in the opening clip, sometimes people also have a few jokes at the expense of Kentuckians. Have you ever Googled Kentucky jokes? Well, I just did in preparation for this episode... And I saw that some of them are pretty crude. Yeah, some of them are kind of awful. And honestly, as a Kentuckian, they kind of bother me because there's a lot more that's truly funny and much more accurate as it relates to real Kentuckians than jokes about hillbillies and incest. If you've never grown up gay in the South, it's like looking for a a secret gaygent. Well, you don't know who the secret gaygents are. You know, you're on like a park bench like... (laughs) Is that you, Agent Kyle? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Agent Dimitri, it's so good to meet you in person. Oh, yes, duh, yes, <laughs> Now that is actually really funny. Who was that? That's my friend and fellow Kentuckian, Adario Mercadante, doing stand-up comedy on Zoom. And though he now lives in Los Angeles, pursuing his dream of entertaining, his story mirrors that of many people who grew up in rural America, but choose to leave to pursue other opportunities and experiences. I know it can be really hard for LGBTQ youth in rural places like Kentucky. Very much so. But now, Adario turns that experience into comedy and defies expectations of who Kentuckians are, while also making light of the stereotypes we transfer onto others. It's tough to not be a stereotype at the same time. This is Middle of Everywhere, telling big stories from the small places we call home. I'm Ariel Avery. And I'm Austin Carter. Today, my old Kentucky stereotype. How do you say his name? Is it a Dario? Is it Dario? Like, honestly, people in Kentucky mess my name up more than anywhere, but anybody from anywhere can mess up my name. So uh, Dario and I both grew up here in Murray, Kentucky, and we knew each other from high school. Hey, Dario. How are you, buddy? Oh, actually, today I I slept really bad. I woke up at like five something. and It was cold and our stomach hurt. We had extra cheese, pepperoni papa john's last night i think that was a big mistake and though he's in la now there are things he still looks at fondly about kentucky 
no matter how much bad stuff you want to bring up about Kentucky, because we all have our gripes about home, I would always say, but it's beautiful. It's peaceful. You can get a much better sleep in the South and it's cheaper. I said, it's a great place to raise a family. It's a great place. If you want to own like pets and some land here, that would cost you so much money. And you might not be happy. So I think that's one thing you got to give back to the bluegrass state is that it is beautiful and connects you more with nature and and the chance to have like a, a family life. Yeah, those are things that I totally appreciate as a Kentucky resident now. But I can also see where those things might not be so appealing to a young person. Yeah, for sure. And I think there are points where every young person who grows up in a small town wants to get away. And if you're gay, there are a whole other set of challenges that you face growing up in the rural South, like Adario's joke about the secret gay gent. But that humor is bred from suffering. I don't know a single other gay man from my time in high school that doesn't have a mental illness now. Now, we might still be successful, but we really suffered in a lot of ways mentally trying to find our identity. And we still do to this day. We suffer those consequences of people's ignorance. After high school, Adario started to struggle with mental illness. You know, there was a time when I was in the psych ward in Murray. You know, there was uh, when I was 19 in college. Um, and then there was when I was 21. I had bipolar one diagnosed at that time. And it was one of the worst moments of my life. You know, I had to spend a month in rehab because my parents didn't know what was wrong with me. We didn't know I was bipolar. They just thought I was on a bunch of drinking and drugs. Even though he wasn't drinking much at the time, he cut it out entirely. But he was still struggling to be happy. I was at a bad place, I would say, before I left. I was overweight. I was over like 230 pounds. I knew I had all this drive and passion and uh, talent that I knew that I could share with an audience in the world. And his mom, who he calls his biggest fan, also knew that Adario was meant for something different than small town life. My mom would always say to me, in the most loving way, there's nothing for you here. And she didn't mean that like she didn't have love for me. She meant that as in she knew that what I was meant to do was to entertain the world. Or at least, you know, some variation of interacting with people and, and emotions. And she would always say, you know, there's nothing for you here. So what did make Adario decide to uproot his life in Kentucky and move to L.A.? That point came at a family birthday dinner for his grandfather. And we start talking about my improv with Paducah Improv that I had been doing. And I'd been doing that for about a year. And I would have to drive from Murray to Paducah, which is about an hour drive, uh, you know, like twice a week for rehearsal and then one show a month. And my parents didn't like how much gas money it was costing. You know, I, I had been working at Cherie Movie Theaters for 10 years as an usher. And then I started working at a factory at Briggs & Stratton. You know, it wasn't fun working at a factory in the first place, but the improv was giving me life and the shows people were loving. Uh, we were doing great things. They wanted me to quit. They were all, you know, coming at me saying, you know, I need to give up on this improv at least. And it really hurt me. And I told them, well, I, I, I should just move. And they were like, well, then just go. And not in a mean way. It was one of those surreal, like, well, then that's what you should do. And in that moment, I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. Support for Middle of Everywhere comes from Kentucky Humanities. 
An affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities, Kentucky Humanities is dedicated to bringing the humanities to classrooms and communities across the state, promoting literacy and civil discourse, building pride in the Commonwealth, and telling all of Kentucky's stories. Learn more at kyhumanities.org. But it's hard to be cute and a gay man because a lot of times people just think you're cute because you're gay. Oh look! Oh my God! They're holding hands. That's so cute. Look, they're sharing a burrito together. That's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> they're arguing about laundry. It's precious. Like if they looked closer, they'd see we're not just sunshine and rainbows because we're homosexuals. On a scroll of puppies through their Twitter feed. No, we're real people, okay? They, they should be honest and say things like, oh, look, you guys, they're struggling to pull resources to afford housing. Oh my <laughs> 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 that one's having a panic attack because they grew up in the Bible Belt. That's so cute. <laughs> Adario moved to LA, leaving his family and boyfriend behind to do a long distance relationship while he tried to get things started. And he hit the ground running. The second day I got here, I hit the stage at iOS to do improv jams, which an improv jam is people you've never met before. And you're all just assuming you're all good at improv and playing together. And you usually have like a really good team that like guides you guys through it and comes and plays with you. I had a great improv set with some very funny people who I went on to be friends with for a long time. And a guy came up to me afterwards and he was like, man, you remind me of so many greats, Belushi, Farley, all these names. And he gave me his card and stuff. And we talked for a little bit. It was just kind of surreal to have that experience from the get-go. And L.A. also proved to be a whole new world for Adario as a gay man who had grown up in the South. I wanted to go clubbing. Like, I, I always had the energy to go dance in Kentucky. And you don't really have a lot of options. Well, here they have a ton of them. And they have a place called West Hollywood which is like, I would say one of the gayest places on earth. Like it's kind of like the gay Mecca. I was there and like, I saw all these men holding hands. It was as free as a bird. Like everyone was just being themselves and being gay. And the, there's gay music. I mean, I guess there's no gay music, but you know what I'm saying? And the lights and the rainbows. And I was like in shell shock, Austin. Like I got there and I like, I felt so un not uncomfortable, but it was uncomfortable because I just, had not had that level of freedom. I'm sure that was an incredibly eye-opening and freeing experience for him. Oh, it was. And his comedy was reflecting both his time in Kentucky and the new experiences he was having in L.A. In my stand-up, when I first moved here, I, I definitely was talking a lot about the transition of like moving from Kentucky to L.A. I used to tell a joke in the beginning how someone outside of my window at Crenshaw, I would just hear people's this insanity, whether they were homeless or just normal people getting crazy. One time I heard these people yelling and they go, you want to start a war? And then he laughed. He goes, ah, <laughs> so I don't know if they were friends or not, but I just, I was enthralled by everything that was LA. It was like a rebirth, honestly. When he first started doing stand-up comedy in Murray, Adario was relying on some of those Kentucky tropes and stereotypes for laughs. Jokes about rednecks or marrying your cousin. But in Los Angeles, he was starting to evolve. I think as you progress as a comedian from anywhere, you're you're doing material based off where you're from at first. And then you start to get deeper into the writing. And you realize there's that's low-hanging fruit. And 
it's also been done before. Like everyone knows that joke. So you're, you need to find a unique spin on it or like a point of view, or there's no reason for you to, to do that. Yeah. I feel like when people move away, they gain perspective about themselves and they learn about themselves outside of their home community. Yeah. I think this was what Adario was experiencing too. And he was also beginning to see some encouraging signs for his career. I made some friends and one of them helped me get uh, an audition in front of like agents. And I got an agent and I got signed within seven months of being here, which is like crazy because you know some people have been here forever and they never get signed. Well, over the course of that year, I was with that agency. They, uh, they helped me a lot to get a lot of things started. One of the things they told me was that, you know, they wanted me to be kind of their Chris Farley type. It's interesting how this need for someone to fit a type in the entertainment world is so pervasive. It's like we need these archetypes to know where someone fits in. You're right, but Adario's rebirth in L.A. was also translating into a new sense of pride in himself and in his lifestyle choices. You know, I started exercising a lot and maybe making some diet changes, not necessarily because, you know, I I was eating super healthy, but I think there's less Taco John's out here. Um, there's less, you know, there's so many fried foods when you think back to Murray or just Kentucky in general. Um, and then I lost like, over the course of like three years, I lost like 40 plus pounds. Oh, so losing weight was just another part of this whole new Adario. For sure. But those changes made his agency view him differently. I started losing weight and eventually they had to tell me like, we just, we don't know like, how to describe you anymore, basically. Like we don't know because um, you're going through this transformation. And eventually, you know, when they, they had to drop me, um, they said that, you know, we just don't think we would be good for your career. Now, maybe that's something they say to everybody, but there is a part of me that believes them because I feel much happier in this like skinnier body, proud gay man from the South. It's tough to not be a stereotype at the same time. For example, like, <laughs> yes, I was a Zumba instructor, but I was a terrible yeah. Zumba instructor, okay? <laughs> <laughs> this is what my class comprised of, okay? I had one friend from high school, I had one of my mother's friends, and my broken dreams. That's it, that's all I had. I was 40 pounds heavier at the time. So I was having to take breaks all the time, and you know, I'd be in there just like, but you girls like that song. <laughs> you know, Tammy's over there just like, look, Adorio, I came here to lose 20 pounds. You're taking three breaks in 15 minutes. So I'm just going to leave the class from here. Let's go, everybody. One, two, three, and feel it, feel it. That's it. Beat and move, and I guess the students become the masters. <laughs> So Dario was at a really tough point in his life before he left Kentucky, and moving to L.A. was this huge turning point for him and a liberating experience as a gay man from the small town from the South. But he still faced these expectations of who he was or who he could be or what a person from Kentucky was even like. Exactly. But he started to realize that those expectations could be the avenue for presenting his own point of view. What they will tell you when you 
ask for agents, managers, producers to tell you like, how, what can I do to get going? They'll say, well, you, this, you need to treat yourself as the business. You are a product. You need to sell your product. You need to market your product. You need to label your product. It needs to be clearly defined in a sentence. Things like that hurt your pride as an artist, but then you realize like, oh, this is so that I can form these avenues to get where I want to go. And then it's up to me to present the gravitas of the material. It's up to me to provide the point of view. Sometimes that means labeling his product in a certain way. So you might say, well, I'm from Kentucky and I'm gay. That's a that's definitely something I can roll with every comedy set if I want. Or I can say, well, I used to be a Zumba instructor. I used to be a boxer. I used to be a furry. Used to be, asterisk. Um, but do I want to talk about all that? Is that something that's defining me? Well, maybe it's more, I'm, a, I'm the, defining the comic who is a storyteller. That's a little more broad. You know, like you can be like, oh, well, I have all these stories from Kentucky. And then they can talk about maybe you're the Southern storyteller. Maybe you're the, you know, gay energy guy. Well, all those things are things you have to kind of test out out loud. You have to say them. You have to try them. You have to see how they stick and fit. And then what makes you feel good? Because if you hate it, well, you might not work as hard on it. And it all pays off when he gets the laughs. And then I think once you hear those laughs, then you can kind of decide, I do want to be the Zumba Kentucky gay comic boxer guy or I do want to be the fish out of water guy and from there you that's when you can start getting work which is the whole point like we can't survive in LA without uh, a survival job they call it usually at the same time he upends expectations of who a guy named Dario Mercadante should be when people hear a Dario Mercadante, they already make assumptions that maybe I, like, I don't speak Spanish, Austin. You know, my, my dad was Puerto Rican-Italian. Uh, I'm from Murray, Kentucky. So it's kind of fun to be like, and I'm also kind of masculine. I'm not necessarily a super femme gay guy. Uh, I'm just am myself. But it's kind of fun to subvert these expectations. Okay, now my boys in Kentucky know what that's all about. Some good meat right there. <laughs> you can just do a, a couple Southern lines of dialogue. People here will laugh. I'm not saying that's going to carry you for five minutes, but it's not too hard to get a little laugh out of that because it's honest and it's unexpected. Through this whole journey from Western Kentucky to the West Coast, Adario has continued to be himself and explore who he is as a comedian and entertainer. It seems like it's taken a long time for Adario to grapple with who himself even is. From struggling with stereotypes to getting laughs from them, that road has taught Adario to accept the positives and negatives of who he is and where he comes from. I'm only here because of my support group. I'm only here because of my family. I'm here because of my, my boyfriend. I'm here because of friends. I'm here because of every single person who's told me that they believe in me. It's awesome, man. I'm so proud for you. Thank you, Austin. Visit us at middleofeverywherepod.org. 
While you're there, sign up for our newsletter so you'll always be the first to know about exciting updates and new episodes. This episode of Middle of Everywhere was produced by me, Austin Carter, with editorial help from my co-host, Ariel Lavery. Our editor is Naomi Starobin. Our theme music was composed and recorded by Time on the String Sound Studio in Paducah, Kentucky. Other scoring was from APM Music. Marketing and sponsorship support comes from Dixie Lynn. Thank you to our intern, Serenity Rogers. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Middle of Everywhere Pod. Middle of Everywhere is a production of WKMS and PRX. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private organization funded by the American people.